Hi, I'm Rebecca Rosen, a spiritual medium and best-selling author. Welcome to my podcast, Small, Medium, at Large. Although small in stature, I've been taking on the big and unusual job of talking to the dead for over 20 years. I serve as a messenger for spirit, helping people to connect to their departed loved ones and guides, while also encouraging them to strengthen their own intuition. So many of you have sent in great questions since the last Q&A episode, and I was really excited to address these topics and bring some clarity to what you all are most curious about. I'm going to get right into my responses, but first, I do want to remind you that you can continue emailing in your questions to podcast at RebeccaRosen.com or by calling 720-230-6828 and leaving a message. Okay, let's get started with this first question. What happens to your soul when you leave this world with estrangement with living family members? This is a question I often get when I'm doing readings um, because so often life is messy and we don't always have, you know, peaceful, easy relationships. A lot of times that's the whole point. Our life is like a play and we all play different roles in each other's plays and we wear these different masks and we're really just playing out our parts that we signed up for before we were born. So we create these soul contracts and there are certain lessons that we need to learn and go through. So whether we're teaching them or on the receiving end, learning them, um, either way, we are, we are carrying out what we need um, in order to grow and evolve. And so when we cross over, we pick up where we leave off. And so we have to do a life review at some point. And we sit down with our trusted group of um, soul soul guides, our council made up of different um, souls that help us do an honest um, self-inquiry where we take inventory of our lives and our choices and we are reminded um, of what we originally agreed to in that soul contract by our council of guides, okay? And at that point, we play judge and jury, okay? We take full accountability for everything that happened, positive, maybe negative, um, and anywhere in between. And so when we leave this world with that estrangement, Oftentimes, so we wake up and it's the living who's still unresolved because maybe the living um, survivors don't have full clarity or remembrance of that agreement, that soul contract. And so they're carrying some of the hard feelings. But when I do readings, the spirits come through and they um, often, you know, take ownership where they couldn't in life. They are in their higher self, being the bigger person, owning their part in the deal. So the best way I can um, really lay this out is an example I had with a reading I did. So I had a woman and her mom came through right away, apologizing for being, you know, hard on her in life. She showed me tough love. Um, And the mom was being fully accountable and fully aware of how her hurtful words and actions or inactions, scarred and hurt her daughter throughout this this woman's entire life. And it was very sincere, um, and I I 
the spirits that come forward are the ones who have good intentions. So even if this woman was somewhat of a witch in life, her higher self was coming through with the pure intention of making things right with her daughter. Well, this client of mine, this woman could not wrap her mind around the fact that her mom was sincere or that her mom was worthy of forgiveness. And I had to explain soul contracts and her guides came through helping her to understand that she signed up for that. It wasn't happening to her. It was happening for her in this lifetime. So she chose this mother to show her contrast, right? They were learning and teaching each other um, in this relationship. And, you know, her mom acknowledged by having that experience of tough love and knowing what she didn't want, she in turn could choose to do the opposite when she had her own children, which she did. She took that as good, important information on what not to do and how not to be as a mother and as a human being. And her mom acknowledged what a fantastic job this woman has done. You know, again, this woman really had to sit with this, and I'm not sure where she's at with it today, but hopefully it brought her the awareness and the comfort, knowing that her mother was proud of her, and she, by showing up and living her life in a different way, in a more loving, kind, in a positive light, that she is teaching her mother from the other side. She is showing her mother what it looks like to be your best self. So anyways, nothing falls away, okay? So when we leave this world with estrangement from living family members, the best thing we can do is forgive them, forgive the situation, and, and ask what was this there to teach me and take the gifts out of that. And then when we cross over, we will reunite with them and we will have a big laugh acknowledging, you know, the what a full, messy journey it was, but how much we spiritually grew. How much influence can your guides have on you? I love this question. I love anything about spirit guides. I think it's, it's really fascinating. And the, to answer this question, how much influence can your guides have on you? Well, the bottom line is this. We have free will. And anyone guiding us has to honor that free will, free choice. So all we can do is use their energy to help align us with our higher self's knowing and our highest truth and gently remind us of what we signed up for and help guide us down that path. So all spirit guides are different in their personalities, just like any all people are different. And guides take dif different approaches to guiding us. But what I've heard from the readings I've done in different guides coming through, some qualities that coming from a more advanced guide are they are compassionate and empathetic without being too easy on us, okay? So they, guides have walked an earthly life before, and unlike um, angels who haven't necessarily done so. So spirit guides have more empathy because they get how hard this world can be. And so their job is to be compassionate and not judgmental, but yet hold us accountable. So they aren't judgmental, but they're discerning, okay? And guides also don't impose their values, opinions, or choices onto you. They know that we have the right to make our own mistakes. And quite honestly, they expect us to. We're in earth school, and this is how we learn and grow. And it's not the mistakes that matter. It's that we learn and grow from the mistakes. 
right? So that we do and be better the next time. Advanced guides simply encourage or suggest, you know, what we should do or what we could do. So it's like a good therapist that you go to who just asks you all the right questions to lead you uh, to your own answers and your own truth at the end of the day. And guides, um, their job is to help, help build morale, instilling confidence in us. Um, they're like, you know, the greatest cheerleaders and therapists and um, coaches all rolled into one. So our guides try to motivate us or inspire us and instill the courage that we need to face whatever lessons or challenges are before us. And most importantly, guides never, never, never give up on us. It's like any good parent to their children. They never give up. Guides can have a really great influence on us. Um, but again, at the end of the day, ultimately what we do and how we choose to show up is our choice and on us. What are all of the things our dead loved ones in spirit can do for their people still in the earth world? So our departed loved ones in spirit can do a lot of different things for us. It depends on what their role is. So if you've heard me talk about our team in spirit or team spirit, it's made up of our departed loved ones, family and friends who have passed on, sometimes our pets, okay, spirit guides, and soul guides, also known as guardian angels. And then there's what I've heard, protector guides. So our departed loved ones um, can show up as our cheerleaders. That's quite often what I hear them coming through reading saying their role is. So cheerleaders act as moral support. They are there to beam us with inspiration and comfort and just give us warm, fuzzy feelings, um, especially at times when we're lost, confused, afraid, or feeling alone, Okay. Our departed loved ones also, I have heard, come through sometimes just acting as your protector. It's almost like a, a bouncer, okay, or um, a bodyguard. And when I see a spirit come through and their hand is on your back, it means I've got your back. So they're showing me to tell my client they are acting as their protector. So their job really is just to keep an eye on you like a bodyguard or like a great babysitter would, okay, ensuring your safety and well-being. And usually these are family or friends who had a special bond with you in life. But then for our departed loved ones to be spirit guides, they have to actually be trained by higher guides in the spirit world. So they have to be responsible. They have to know the rules to be able to guide you. So typically it takes a few years or longer for that process to happen. So if somebody just died, it's very unlikely that they're all of a sudden a spirit guide, unless they're an advanced soul. And so spirit guides have assignments, and it could be working on different lessons that you're working on. So our spirit guides have great empathy because they typically take us on because they can relate. They went through a similar life lesson as well. It takes one to know one, right? So my grandma, Babe, who struggled with depression, became my spirit guide because I was struggling with depression, and she could relate and help me. Our spirit guides are, it's like in school when you have different teachers that teach different subjects. Same with our spirit guides. We have different guides based on different um, subjects or life lessons that we're in the process of working on. And then we have our soul guides, also no known as our guardian angels. And you have these guides from birth until death. Typically, you never knew this ancestor, but you've heard about them, but they are definitely a part of your soul group, okay? So maybe in the lifetime before that, they were in your your lifetime, okay? But they decided to stay in the spirit world, 
and just the soul guide acting like a guide, a guardian to watch over you during your entire the entire course of your physical life. And so the soul guides, think of them like the principal of the school. They're always there overseeing your life. They only intervene as needed. Um, you may not meet with them every single day, but they're always there if you need them. And they, the soul guides remind us of our soul contract, what we signed up for, our life's purpose, and the karmic lessons to be learned behind that. And so, and then there's animals. Animals come through all the time. They're like angels, physically focused in a pet's body. And they're there for a chapter in our life to help us. Usually it's to love us and bring us um, peace and they ground us and they help us stay present and they bring us so much joy. And so they fill us with that pure positive energy. So hopefully that helps you understand um, better the different roles that uh, your departed loved ones can take on. What are some of the ways evidence of past lives may appear in our current life? What is the best way to explore and understand our past lives? There are some really great material out there um, on past lives. And, you know, I do believe in all the years of doing this work, we have um, we have lived many, many lifetimes, hundreds, if not tens of thousands of lifetimes. Okay. And I've done um, a ton of readings where spirit brings through memories of past lives, which helps validate the client and something maybe they're struggling with. So evidence of past lives, when you're walking through life and you feel a really familiar connection to someone that you just met, they're a total stranger, but you just feel some, some deep soul recognition well, that's exactly what it is. It's you've known that soul in another lifetime, perhaps, and you're feeling the evidence of that. You know, your feelings are your truth. They don't lie. You may not be able to fully understand them or explain them, but trust when you have a strong feeling, you're drawn to certain people, you're drawn to certain cities, states, or countries, or you go somewhere and it feels familiar. It feels like home, like you've lived there before. Okay. That is evidence of past life memories that you're retaining. And so oftentimes what happens is like deja vu, okay? So when you've had a feeling, you meet someone or you're in a situation or some experience is unfolding, you're like, I swear this has happened before. Deja vu, my guides have explained, is waking us up to remembering that we signed up for this. This is part of our soul contract. And when deja vu happens, it's just validation that this is meant to be happening, Okay, I agree to this, and I'm now getting a glimpse of remembering that I signed up for this, and it's all supposed to be playing out the way it is. The other evidence of past lives may appear as karmic baggage that you have. So let's say you've always been afraid of drowning, okay, but you have no reason to be afraid of drowning. Well, it's probably coming from a past life. Or let's say you have a, a really deep fear of flying and you can't explain it because nothing negative has ever happened while flying. But that could also be evidence of dying in a plane crash in your past life. So a lot of times these unexplained phobias or fears that we have that have been with us since we, we were children are evidence that they're coming from soul memories from another lifetime. Another thing that has come through quite a bit in readings is chronic pain in the body. So like if you have constant back pain and then you do a past life regression where you, you're reminded that you were killed in your last life by being stabbed in the back, okay, then the minute you connect the dots, the pain releases and it never returns. 
There's amazing stories of this out there. Birthmarks on your body indicating a wound from a past life or any patterns or behaviors that you can't explain in from this lifetime that date back to past lives, that you are here in this lifetime to resolve. So great ways to really explore this is finding a trusted professional past life regressionist or life between life regressionist. There's some great books, you know, out there, especially Dr. Brian Weiss has written many wonderful books and that he also has trained many credible uh, therapists who who know how to do past life regression. Also, Dr. Michael Newton, another one who has trained people to do life between life regression. Life between life is really just, it's when you're back in the spirit world, meeting with your team and spirit to plan um, your next lifetime and understanding better the lessons that you need to work out, how you can spiritually grow and evolve your soul. So if you're sensing any of this speaks to you, I would highly recommend that you seek out someone to work with to help you get into your subconscious mind so that you can go back and uncover some of these these lessons that are coming up for you for a reason so that you can heal them and grow past them. What is a miracle and how do they occur? From a spiritual perspective, I love this question. Let's start by talking about the definition of a miracle. According to Webster, a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. The second definition, an extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing or accomplishment. Third definition, according to Christian science, a miracle is a divinely natural phenomenon experienced humanly as the fulfillment of spiritual law. So one of my favorite quotes is by Albert Einstein, and he says, there are two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. So it really comes down to our perception and the lens through which we choose to see our world. And so miracles from what Spirit has shared with me are meant to be common everyday occurrences, okay? And miracles happen when we are in alignment with our higher self and we are in the vortex, as Abraham Hicks would say, Uh, but we are in the flow, okay? We are lined up with source energy, our higher selves, and that's where synchronicities occur. Some people call them coincidences, but really there are no such thing. Synchronicities are about, um, Dr. Carl Jung termed the phrase synchronicity. You know, it's really about getting synced up with the divinity that's all around us. Okay, so when we are in alignment with that, we are basically vibrating at the level of miracle consciousness, and then miracles do unfold often and effortlessly. So examples of miracles. Miracles can be a range of things, but miracles can show up as answered prayers, okay? So you're praying for, let's say, financial help. And then the next thing you know, you get noticed that you're about to receive a significant tax refund that solves all your problems, okay? So that's a miracle. Miracles can show up as signs, signs coming from the divine, from whether it's departed loved ones or your team in spirit. And let's say you are praying to your loved one in spirit. And then a minute later, the light starts flickering like crazy and you can't explain it. Or a picture falls off the wall of them in that moment. Okay, that's a miracle. 
It's a sign. And then miracles can show up as flow, again, as synchronicities in your everyday life. Let's say you are seeking the name of a great therapist that you need. The next thing you know, um, you meet with a friend and she tells you all about this amazing therapist she just started working with, okay? So the synchronicities that start happening when you believe in miracles are endless. So how do they occur? How do miracles occur? It really honestly comes down to matching your intention and your energy to the frequency that miracles exist at. And there's two parts to this answer, okay? One has nothing to do with you, and the other has everything to do with you. So the first part that's totally out of your control, how they occur, divine forces manipulating or orchestrating events to occur to create the miracle, okay? So that is completely out of your control. This is about living in a place of faith and trust that there's something bigger than ourselves, divinely orchestrating and guiding our lives and assisting us along our path. The second part to this is in our control. So this is all about you getting out of your own way, which is surrender, to then match your vibrational frequency to the frequency of miracle consciousness. This is all about doing things that raise your vibration to match the frequency of that high vibration where miracles exist. And then this allows for those miracles to unfold without you doing anything except showing up and matching that energy. The key is this. You need to be able to suspend any doubt long enough and open your mind to allow for the possibility of the miracles to occur. So really, that again comes down to getting out of your own way, getting out of your head, and opening up and allowing. You know, a great thing to do is just set the intention to invite miracles in, okay? And then manage your energy to match this higher frequency. Let go and go with the flow. And then expect miracles, okay? It's like Albert Einstein said, it's you can live your life expecting no miracles or expecting that everything is a miracle. And they are truly intended to be common and abundant. And once you really get evidence of that, you build your faith in knowing that this is true. And this is where life becomes magical and a whole lot of fun. Before we incarnate into our earth world, do we know all possible occurrences and trajectories of our life? Is everything that happens in our earth world life something we signed up for? There's two different questions here. Before we incarnate, we create this life plan or loose blueprint for our life, okay? And we sit down with our team of higher guides, our council, and we responsibly map out potential things that we are going to experience in our physical incarnation for us to learn and grow. And so when we come in, they're only a possibility or a probability because we have free will. And there's a lot of free will of others involved at play around us, okay? But our, on a soul level, we do have a knowing or a sense of what we are going to experience, okay? And then whether or not that comes to pass, again, it's a combination of factors um, based on free will. But if we go with the flow and let go, typically those things do end up unfolding. Okay, so the other part of this question is, you know, is this something we signed up for? So the answer is yes. You know, one of the things um, a great teacher taught me once, and I just I go back to it often when I'm experiencing hardships or challenges or struggles, it's brought me, brought me great comfort, and I want to share it with you. And it's that it's not happening to you. It's happening for you, okay? So whatever you're going through, 
Yes, you signed up for this on some level. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. You are not a victim. And that right there, it allows you to take your power back, knowing that you agreed to this because there, there, there are gifts in the experience that are going to allow for your soul's growth and evolution. And that's the whole reason we're here. And so the things, you know, and just to expand on that, is it something we signed up for? Yes. And it's, you know, what we do with it that counts. And if you can remember that there are a few reasons why you have to go through things that will challenge you. Um, And typically it comes down to these things. One, it's because, you know, you're balancing out karma with other people, other soul mates, so to speak, okay, from other lifetimes. Another reason would be you're here to heal, and it gives you the opportunity to to experience healing. Another would be you signed up for this to be of service to somebody else. You are here taking one for the team, saying, I will show up and play my part in this experience to help you learn and grow. And then the other is experiencing contrast or duality, okay? A lot of times we learn through opposites, knowing what we don't want or how we don't want to be, it better um, enables us to know and experience what we do want, the contrast of that, right? So just knowing that helps you empower you and it it helps you find meaning and purpose and going through it. It's not, it's not a waste, okay? Um, there's an opportunity in that for our growth. What are the characteristics of an old soul? And what are the characteristics of a newer soul, if there are any? So this question, um, I get a lot. And we loosely throw around the phrase old soul. And so, you know, in my earlier days of doing this work, I was introduced to the work of Dr. Michael Newton. Journey of Souls um, was one of his first books. And when I read that book, it really resonated with me um, and lined up with everything that my guides have shared with me. And in that book, he talks about the different levels of soul development. And in that book, he has a chart. And the chart has the classification model for soul development. So it starts with level one, which is a beginner soul. Okay. And then it goes all the way up through a level six, a highly advanced soul. So there's the level one beginners. Then there's level two, lower intermediate, level three, intermediate level four, upper intermediate, level five, advanced, and level six, highly advanced, okay? And so that goes for our souls while incarnated and our souls when we cross over back into spirit. And that also applies um, to the different levels of guides. You know, to just put simply, old soul would be an advanced soul and a new soul would be a beginner. And then there's everything in between. So what are the characteristics of, let's start with a new soul. You know, a beginner new soul is really operating from the lower frequencies of the mind or ego, okay? It's easy to get disconnected from our higher selves. And then we make choices from this kind of lower place that brings in all the lower qualities like greed and competition and blame and judgment. So when we're a newer soul, we oftentimes get stuck in a mindset of right and wrong, good or bad. You know, everything is black and white. We're quick to judgment. We're quick to blame. We're quick to project our stuff onto other people and unconsciously um, do so. Newer souls, they have typically big egos. 
You know, there's a difference between being confident versus being cocky. And newer souls oftentimes are more cocky. And newer souls, um, their interests lie more in material pursuits or personal gain, or they're out to prove that they're better than someone or something. Newer souls operate from a place of greed and competition, energy, and fear. Kind of that not enough mentality and out for yourself. And then older souls, more advanced souls, they're really here to really serve others. And older souls operate from the higher frequencies of oneness, remembering that we are all connected. And at the end of the day, we are all, you know, moving back to that place of oneness in spirit, which connects us all. Older souls usually have a lot of compassion, a lot of tolerance, patience, kindness, empathy. Older souls are quick to forgive. They're able to zoom out and see from a broader, more objective view. Older souls oftentimes are able to be of service to others and they have no strings attached. They're truly, genuinely showing up to give back. Older souls, you know, are non-reactive. They're more thoughtful in their responses. Older souls walk through life in a place of faith and trust. Even when things are challenging and, you know, they're hurting, they trust and they know how to go with the flow and to surrender, to get out, out of their own way. And they know how to trust that at the end of the day, even if they can't see it or know it in that moment, they trust and know there's a divine order and timing to everything. And older souls don't need to take credit for things that they do or need the attention or the spotlight, okay? They're just truly here to show up and fulfill their purpose to make the world a better place. And so wherever you're at on the scale, okay, we're all here in this earth school to grow and evolve, okay? And what matters is it's not where we're at. Like if you think about grade school, high school, first grade isn't any better or worse than the 12th grade. It's just a different level of evolvement. You have to earn your way up that that scale. And as you do, you move into different levels, different grades. And so we're all at different places in our soul development. So at the end of the day, I think it's really about owning your choices and having the intention to do and be your highest and best self, right? For the highest truth and highest healing of all involved. And so if you have that intention, um, you are going to grow your soul. What does it mean to feel the presence of spirit? What does a spirit have to do for us to feel their presence? I love this question so much because spirits are constantly trying to help us feel their presence. They are just energy and they're operating at a much higher vibrational frequency than we are when we're in this heavy, dense body. But we absolutely have the ability to feel the presence of spirit. What spirit has explained to me is that spirit, when they want you to know they're around, they're going to go out of their way to try and impress you with their energy. So they do this by focusing their energy into your mind and body, and they impress you with thoughts and feelings that come to you. So that's how I do my readings. I rely on that. That's available to anyone who's open and available to letting spirit in. Spirits must learn how to do this. It's not like it's necessarily an easy task. They learn how to align their energy frequency into our consciousness into our mind. And so what spirits often say is it's much easier to do this in the dream state because we, the human, our mind isn't in the way. It's quieted and we're, we get out of the way. So we're more receptive 
and the mind chatter isn't there or the resistance isn't there. So it's easier for the departed loved one, the spirit, to impress us with those thoughts and feelings in the dream state. Spirits have proven this during readings I've done. It's really amazing. So for example, I was doing a reading with a woman on a small group, a virtual small group, and I said to her, your mother's energy likes to brush by you and touch you. And it's almost like you get the chills or you feel like there's a hair on you brushing on you, but you look down and there's nothing there. And she you know, was so excited because she said, wow, literally, literally moments before you just said that I was feeling my mom and I felt that. And then, you know, here you are saying, mom is saying, this is me. Another example was I did a private reading and I said to this woman, your husband is showing me he touches the back of your neck. And she literally screamed. And she said, oh my God, five seconds before you said that, I felt him touch the back of my neck. Before you said it, you know, when this was happening, I mentally said, hey, is that you? And then it came out of your mouth. So she told me that her her husband's favorite place was the back of her neck. She, he would often kiss the back of her neck or rub her neck. And so, of course, he's going to come through trying to project his energy, helping her to feel his loving presence on the back of her neck. So other ways spirits will, you know, beam their energy onto us is, and then we pick up on it, is sometimes you feel like something running through your hair or tugging your hair. That's a spirit's energy or ringing in your ears. Okay, they're, they're beaming their high vibrational energy and it's causing a change in air pressure in a sense. And you might get this out of the blue ringing in your ear, feeling lightheaded or tingling in or around your, your head or your hands. And it feels like electricity running through you just out of the blue. That's spirit energy moving around you or within you. And then another very common way is when you get really emotional, let's say you're bawling your eyes out and then out of nowhere, you just stop and you feel calm and peaceful, okay? Those are oftentimes your spirits, your angels that are coming around you and shifting your energy to calm you down and love you and reassure you that you're not alone and everything's gonna be okay. So I hope that helps explain how, you know, spirit's presence shows up around us. And spirits, it takes a lot of energy. And so I would just suggest when you get a hit that they are communicating with you by helping you to feel and know their presence is with you, Offer a prayer of gratitude. Just thank them. And the more you appreciate it, the more they're going to go out of their way to, to do so in the near future. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Small Medium at Large. To register for one of my Rebecca Rosen live online events or virtual small group readings, and to sign up for my newsletter, please visit my website, RebeccaRosen.com. There you will also find additional resources for your spiritual journey including my self-guided courses, books, and blog videos. You can also follow me on social media by searching at Medium Rebecca Rosen on Facebook and Instagram. As always, wishing you brightest blessings and all love.